Have you finally come to save your apes? I came for you. For me? Good afternoon, good evening, and good night, and welcome to another episode of Do You Expect Us Talk? We are finally back after a long break. Apologies, but tonight we'll be finishing off our Planet of the Apes series. This is episode 203. I'm Becca, and as always, joined by Chris, Dave, and Charlie. How are you all? Good evening, folks. Good evening, everyone. If the recording doesn't work, we'll just finish each other off. (laughs) (laughs) Something to do with it. So this is the final of the apes. Well, we were going to do a ranking episode. Now I'm not actually sure because I don't know. <laughs> it's so long ago I saw the first few. This, <laughs> one, this latest film that we're going to cover goes up yeah. to my number one spot. Well, there you go. So... That's our rankings episode then. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> yeah, what you need to know. We'll just, do we'll just do it at the end of this. We'll just, yeah, we'll do it. We'll, go, we'll have a quick run through at the end of this and then we'll work out. Yeah, what we'll, we'll do a quick ranking at the end because it's, it's, sh- it's like quite a short series. Mm. Not like Bond or Marvel, it just goes on and on and on. I think if it was fresh, I could have got, not the longest show, but I think we could have got a ranking show out of it. I think the no, I'm sorry now, it took so long. If you, said, if, you said to me, if you said to me now, talk about one, I don't know, Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I remember it, but I don't know how much value I'd have to ha- add now because it's a little while ago. But uh, As mm-hmm. for the end of this series, what are we covering tonight, Becca? Tonight we are covering... War for the Planet of the Apes, aka Wolf to Buddha, which I think is hilarious. Starring Andy Circus, Aldo Harrison. I can't say any is it Amir, Amaya Miller, Karen Connevar, Steve Zahn, Toby Cabell, Judy Gray, and others with original score by Michael J. Kino, written by Mark Bombach and Matt Reeves, directed by Matt Reeves and released in twenty seventeen. Well, yeah. I just I got thrown off then because you mentioned Matt Reeves and, and you know how like the, the internet is full of like rumours that frequently turn out to be bollocks. Do you know what the latest rumour is about Matt Reeves and that Batman film? Oh but I thought I've just I've he doesn't want to do the t- he doesn't want to do the two sequels now because he's had a nightmare working with Pattinson because Pattinson didn't bulk up enough to start with and he's always been a bit pissed off about that. And apparently he caught Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz having sex on the Batmobile. Uh, <laughs> Called him really entitled, said, said he was the most entitled actor he'd worked with again and he wants nothing to do with him after the film. Take that with a pinch of Yeah, COVID, lay off him, basically. He was ill. Uh, maybe she, she maybe, maybe, maybe that's him. how he got COVID. Probably. <laughs> he does He does come, come across as very kind of... Um, esoteric Pattinson 
I, I he seems like on a different plane to everybody else. He seems like the kind of guy who probably wouldn't be bothered to bulk up that much, and would just try and go with it. Yeah, yeah he do what is, do what's needed, and then be like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I was. With... We'll see. I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. Because uh... they had that with Christian Bale, didn't they? Where he kind of, you can see shots in, in Batman Begins where he's like different. He's he's bigger and smaller because of he was still kind of bulking up while they were filming. Wait, he got he too big, that... don't he? he yeah, got, no, like... he was told. You can see it in the extras where he's first trying on the sort of like hoists and that to be lifted around. He was bulking up after the machinist, which. Anyone who hasn't seen it, just Google image search Christian Bale, the machinist. That was one of that was his most extreme weight loss. It's horrible. It's hideous. I mean, if you think he lost a lot of weight for something like the fighter, this is something else. Um, and um, he was told put on as much weight as you can, and so he did, and then went a bit too far, and they turned around and just said that's too much, and he cut as much weight as he could, and that's why. He's actually smaller in the the two Dark Knight films, the two with the Dark Knight in the title, because that's more his normal size, if you like. Um, but yeah, Pat- Pattinson doesn't look as big as I expected him to. I didn't expect him to be bulked like Affleck at all. But um, we'll see. The end result, we'll see. I'm, I'm still interested to see it, but I keep hearing rumours, however misbegotten and false, that it's actually been quite an unpleasant shoot, full stop. But who knows? Yes, yeah, still will... Um... Because even you hear stuff about like uh, it was a troubled shoot and it and, and it was, but the film turned out great. Oh, so it's still you still don't know. The Bourne films. Yeah. Yeah. The Bourne certainly, films. Yeah, certainly the two, the first two Paul Greengrass ones started without a script. Didn't know what they were doing. Days in, wondering what the hell was going on, what they were producing. They didn't know if anything was any good. Blade Runner. Uh, yeah, Blade. Blade. Blade Runner set the standards for the DVD extra, didn't they? Dangerous Days. Well, yeah, because they, they, they were the production. Different parts of the production were fighting against Ridley Scott and Harrison Ford, who was hated Sean Young. And... Well, that's not an unusual point of view on Sean Young, to be fair. Um, what was it? I mean, James Woods is not the nicest human being in the world, but James Woods got to get an injunction out against her. Uh, when they were together on the boost, he just said she was crazy. And um, there's a there's again, I don't know the truth is, but apparently she super glued his penis to his thigh. And it's like, I, I don't care how into the, someone I've been, I've never thought of like super gluing one body I, I, star to they, another body. I mean, the, the, the stuff you hear, which you think, oh, that's bollocks, but there's stuff that's just so absurd, but so like d- 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 distinct that, that you think well, I, 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 that has I, I, to be true. It's like I Bob Patterson. Or shagging on the Batmobile is like that has to be true. <laughs> yeah, I think losing the Batman role maybe had a big in- impact on her, and I think maybe she kind of because because I know after she, she lost that role and because uh, she had the, the accident, she fell yeah, she fell horse, horse riding, yeah, and then um, for the sequel, she, for anyone listening, she was meant to play Vicky Bell. Yeah, and she went to um, <clears throat> she went to talk shows in a Catwoman costume to try and get the Catwoman role for the sequel. Yeah. Yeah, I think she well, sort she of turned up at Tim Burton, to Tim Burton's office in the cat suit, and he's like, he had to hide from her. See, the boost was before all of this, though, so I don't know. But I mean, I... I yeah, who knows? So, in summary... Uh, she, she does strike me as someone who's a bit this crazy. This film about apes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see. I don't know. Um, 
this film, uh, I my first exposure to it was, um, I think, posters of Caesar riding in the snow. And I, I couldn't tell if it was the snow or aging, but there seemed to be a bit more grey about him. And there actually is in the, in the end film. It, he's definitely aged a bit. Um, and then I heard bits and pieces of Giacchino's score. And, and the first couple of bits I heard just sounded like the 68 film. And then I heard other bits, which watching it again today, like when they're escaping the camp near the end, it, it doesn't necessarily sound like the first Planet of the Apes film, but it sounds like a sequence in a film from that era. Um, and it just seems to be doing a bit of everything. It's got like a cohesive sound to it, and yet it, it's homaging something of you know fifty years old and still sounding relatively up to date. But so you can check, Charlie can say a little bit more about the score in a minute. So that was yeah. my first experience with it. And I went to see it with a little bit of, again, trepidation isn't the right word because I've somewhat enjoyed all of Matt Reeves' work. I, I've somewhat, I, I'm glad he gets money to make films. I think he makes, fundamentally, he makes films well and he makes them about interesting topics. Um, but I found Dawn on first watching a harder watch than Rise, just because it felt a little bit too long. I checked out a bit of the final third, and it lacked any kind of levity. Again, I keep saying it, not looking for comedy, but it just lacked any kind of variance of tone. It was quite a dark, oppressive film. And so I went into this um, not necessarily super excited. I just wanted to see where the story would end up. Uh, certainly the way the film ended, I kind of guessed. I don't know why I kind of guessed. I don't know if it's something in his name or just the way trilogies are, but I, I kind of guessed the very end. Um, and I went in and had just a really, really great time with it. In fact, I didn't have remotely as good, good a viewing with it today, but certainly on the big screen, I, I think I probably enjoyed it most of the it, this particular trilogy at the time. Um, and just came out very much in love with just the look and sound of it. But also, we've come a long way. I mean, in a still photo, perhaps Caesar doesn't look much better than he did six years before. But in movement, it's incredible. The the ability now to convey emotion through these these creatures is astonishing. And, and there are two or three exceptional examples in the film. So anyway, yeah, that was me with the film sort of around it coming out. Did you sort of see it at the time, folks? I saw it. I saw it some a couple of times. Um, the first time it was, it was in a. It probably wasn't the best of screens because it was like actually quite a packed screen, and I remember feeling like quite boxed in. You know, you just sometimes sometimes in cinemas you just feel a bit when it's like a full and you feel you don't have necessarily the leg space, so you just feel a bit cramped and you just feel yeah. a little bit uncomfortable, so you can't quite. You know, see, so half time you like sat there like, oh, I'm thinking really enjoying this, but a second time I can't wait for me to sort of get out so I can stretch yeah. my legs. Um, so, but yeah, uh, that that was my first viewing of it. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I saw I saw it again second time around. I remember seeing it in a double bill with, well, I say a double bill. I just went to the cinema and saw two films back to back with Spider Man Homecoming, I think. Uh, it would be around the same time because I remember hearing the two Giacchino scores very close together. Yeah, because um, uh, I, I made he did score Homecoming, didn't he? He did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I made an effort because I didn't see Dawn at the cinema. 
Right. So, uh, yeah, and I thought it was amazing. And, yeah, yeah I've, I've still kind of got that view, really. I just, it just it felt like <clears throat> the two kind of elements from those two films, kind of like the more kind of lighter aspects of Rise, um, and the grit of um, of Dawn, kind of coming together and kind of imbalance, and then closed it out beautifully. And I thought the the, the Woody Harrelson character was amazing. It's a really good choice. Yeah, there's 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 something a bit parts of darkness about this. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh, they're definitely going for that. Certainly. I think so. I, I'd see. I would literally say Apocalypse now because I've not read the book, but he's not evoking like an overweight Brando to me. So I think I, I am going more with the original story of of just somebody absolutely kind of losing yeah. their way. Um, but obviously, he maintains a different level of discipline altogether from sort of Colonel Kurtz. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was, and I, I can't actually think of better casting for it. I can't. I can't think who you would put in that role that could ever be better. So yeah, perfect. Yeah, and it was interesting that the way it was turned into not just man versus ape, but making his unit and him rogue anyway. It. One of the things I did pick up on on it was I, I suddenly sort of felt like the way the. The apes were betrayed. It, you know, it, it did like as Charlie said. It, it kind of transcended just them being apes. It like felt like they were actually just characters in their own, it, it, even more so because Andy Serkis obviously, oh, Caesar's now more developed, and he's older, so he's talking more fluently, and while the other apes may be doing some more sign language. It, it's like a human life slightly truncated. Yeah. Because if I'm understanding the time scales in this thing. I'm presuming Caesar's in his early 20s at this point, very early 20s, 21, 22, something like that. I, I don't feel any need to correct me if I'm wrong, because I doubt I'm far wrong. Um, and it really doesn't matter. The fact is, even if it was 30, it's far less than a human being when there's so much grey in him and his son is effectively married. Whether they have marriage ceremonies and that is a different matter, but he is, his son is married. He's, he's you know, I don't know if he, I can't remember if he was a grandparent or not, Caesar. But it, but it is effectively like, it's a human, it's a, it's, it's a human life with all, mm. all of sort of humans' um, preoccupations in life, you know, family and you know, education and things like that, mm. and home. That they're they're very, they're, they're things we sort of ascribe to our own species. So I found it really interesting from that regard. You, you could basically lift like the the entire story and, and everything else, and and just put it in a completely different context and use human characters, and it, and, it, and you, you completely see it work fine, can't you? You could work, so you could put it in like a, a more tribal setting or for or futuristic type sort of apocalyptic scenario, but using human characters, you can totally get it. Because it just works in the same exactly the same way. There's like the, the fact that the rapes are kind of like never here or there. Really, it's just these these are their characters. This is the situation now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the one thing that throws it off not throws it off. I don't think it's a negative, but a couple of times watching it, you can almost get racial allegories out of it. But I think that is kind of 
undermined very slightly by the fact that it's actually fear that the, these things are virus carriers. Um, so it's it's a, it's a slightly different slant on it. Yeah. Um, but we, we'll go through it like that. Becca, did you see it at the time? Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, I had a similar experience to Chris. So I, I think I saw it um, in a really, really ram cinema. It was hugely popular. Um, two things. One, I don't know, it's always great to see it in that kind of environment when, you know, it's, it's really busy, you know, it's popular. Um, and hopefully the reviews are going to be good. But then also you do kind of feel a bit boxed in. And um, and also, like, I'm, I remember going to the cinema in the States. I think I think we saw the Watchmen movie. Um, and it was, it was rammed. It was obviously twice the size of what we have over here and it was super packed and just the audience were like so so fervent and letting everybody know their opinion it's like it felt a bit like that but you can kind of feel like the tension in the air and how like how the film was really highly anticipated um yeah for me this is like probably the the best in the series um you know you mentioned apocalypse now and, and those sort of films this has kind of almost like a biblical kind of style epic it's very much as, mm. as you say heart of darkness apocalypse now um full metal jacket a kind of very kind of vietnam vibe vietnam war movie vibe um well just a war movie vibe in general um i think obviously one of the other influences on this was bridge on the river Kwai, i think um and obviously lots of other things are like sci-fi like westerns or westerns um like star wars um a lot of biblical epics as well um and yeah i just i was i kind of definitely got that scale again and now watching it again with this as well you just kind of it feels slightly different to to the most pre- to the um to the last film, um. But no, I had a really good time with it and really enjoyed it. And for me, this is like it's the number one spot in in the series. So, I think I might be saying something very similar at the end. We'll we'll run through it at the end, roughly where we have these. But um, yeah. Um, I I the one thing that I wasn't sure about on first viewing, and I'm still not sure about. <laughs> is Bad Ape, to me, feels like an overcorrection to the second film. Like, even Matt Reeves watched it and went, I think this is a, just a little bit too dour. I think I need to, like, have some moments of lightness in it. Uh, consequently, Bad Ape really jars for me, even though in isolation I quite like the character. I like the idea. And, and I think the voice is perfect. The choice of voice is perfect. Um... But apart from that, like I say, I was really, really positive about it. Um, uh, uh, you know, coming out and so I was trying. Did you enjoy it, Chris? I think that's the only thing you didn't really cover. Oh, sorry. Yeah, um, I did. I mean, there was parts of it like I was kind of leaning towards what Becca felt, feeling like this might be the best in the series. But I think with this, with I just think those typical Matt Reeves. I think it's too long, um, and I think that kind of ruins it. And I think the things like the bad eight character and Nova even. Um, that, you know they sort of bring in Nova as a, as a, as a young as a young girl. Um, it just seems like padding. While I don't dislike them, you know I don't think I don't think like oh well you know there there's a place for them somewhere. That they just I don't know I just don't you know by the time the film's finished you think were they really that essential were they really that necessary? Did you really need to spend that long on doing, like, take your time on on other on other scenes? Because it's like well over two hours. It's like two hours twenty minutes, and you, you, you kind of feel does it need my, to be this long? By like... modern standards, that doesn't strike yeah. me as too long on paper. When you think what the film is, 
and it's closing out a trilogy. I mean, they're talking about making more films in the same continuity, but certainly it's the end, end of Caesar's story. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, it goes off a nice holiday at the end. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I... I I don't think 220 on paper is that bad. And and whatever the length of Dawn was, which I think was similar, didn't look too bad on paper. Although this filmmaker likes his films a little longer, you know, not, not quite in sort of Christopher Nolan territory, but you know, certainly the first film an hour and three quarters, that doesn't strike me as very Matt Reeves. Um, and I definitely thought with both of his entries that like, somewhere in the third act i was like yeah i'm ready ready for this to finish now but it's less of a complaint tonight than it was last week you know when i watched dawn the third act pretty much lost me i thought it was two-thirds of a great film and, and a third of like i don't really care except for a few bits the shot of him at the end when he does let cobra go there were things in that act i liked but overall i was kind of skip to the end folks you know, and I wasn't quite as bad with it with this one, and I do think it's a better balanced film. I think Charlie's right on that. I think even the sort of color palette, the positioning of it looks apes great. As, it... I mean, what do they call them? Donkeys in this, don't mm. they? The sort of um, the yeah. helpless to humans. Actually, the first thing I thought of was familiars in sort of um, vampire films. Mm. That's what it made me think of. It made me think of, you know, those guys in like Blade and things like that who are desperate to just be, to carry favour with what they, you know, it, it's slightly more fear-based in, in this, but I found all that way more interesting. And I think the film is probably the most interesting of, of the three. But yeah, it's not flawless. And I, I just think, I, I think he, what, G, what he does, Matt Reeves, is, is do all of the constituent parts really well stitches them together and it can, it can slightly feel a bit baggy in places but we could it could be worse we could be sat here looking at like a three-hour self-indulgent film and it's not that it this is a reasonable length for what it's trying to do there's just something in the pacing where the third act very slightly loses me and with what with what's going on that's kind of a bit unforgivable but that doesn't sort of neglect what I said at the start. It doesn't, you know, contradict that. I, st I think it might still be one of one of, if not my favourite in the series. I, th I think Nova works for me because she's, for me, she's there to, to keep Caesar in check, almost after what happens to his family and particularly to his son. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there, she. I mean, she's ne thankfully. He never goes as far as making her a kind of surrogate, and she's still she's she's much more attached to Maurice yeah. than she is Caesar. But with placing the dichotomy of Caesar and um, the colonel, who both want revenge, who both want to, over lost uh, children in both cases. Yeah, exactly, and they both want to wipe each other out. And it's really to differentiate, to help differentiate Caesar from the Colonel, that he's not lost. What I think makes she's. Him. I, th I think she's a handy reference point as well because, you know, they bump into people who can't talk. That could be anything. 
Yeah. As a, with one person, that could be anything. Mm. Could, they could have had throat cancer. You know what I mean? They could have anything. I think where they've constantly they have a got to, to talk. Go, it could be easy as that. Well, yeah. Um, you just don't know, do you? Um, but when you've constantly got this reference of she doesn't talk and we keep meeting people who are not talking. Mm. It, it it's a handy reference point. Yeah, I, cu- I couldn't stop thinking of uh, Newt. Yeah, absolutely. Probably because I think she looks a bit like. Her. Oh, absolutely! The blue eyes and blonde hair. She looks exactly like Newt. Yeah. Um. So I I don't have a problem with her presence particularly. I don't know what I've got a problem with in the. You know, I mean, I, 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 he's not for everyone, but I, I, I was very positive about most of the Quentin Tarantino films. Mm. But there are certain films in his canon, even if you think they're generally too long. But there's there's certainly a couple of films in his canon where you look at them and go, they're too long there. That's the problem, that there. And you pick out like one scene, think like you're just taking your sweet well, time. Well, I can in Django Unchained. It's the, all, it's the bit near the end with the Australians. You don't need that at all. Um, there's absolutely no need to have that in the film it adds absolutely nothing Um, and it just adds 20 minutes to the running time and reminds us that Quentin Tarantino is a fucking dreadful actor it just he actively damaged his own film there because that film would rank higher in his canon if you took that 20 minutes out Um, with Matt Reeves I don't actually quite know what the problem is and I don't think it's a problem in that if you said to me is Matt Reeves a good filmmaker I'd be very very positive about him But there's no doubt that in both of these films, which I think are superior and make up two thirds of an excellent trilogy, there's just something a little bit in the pacing. I think they're both slightly too long. They're not miles too long. They're just slightly too long. But if you said, what would you cut? Unlike you, Chris, I don't know. I don't don't actually know what I would cut. Well, it's it's kind of, I mean, again, it's one of those things where it's like two, two hours, 20 minutes. And when you go through the story plot by point, I mean, yes, it's like got plenty of set pieces and there's more more to it than what i kind of wrote and what what basically happens but there isn't a great deal really it's just like you know they go to one place and there's a big old scene when they're talking to you know uh bad ape and that can take about 15 minutes and then they, they move they, they walk somewhere they find something that could take another 10 minutes do you, do you know what i mean so it's mm. lucky thing so but i didn't feel scenes were overly lingering no uh, but I think so, when when they were all like together, and then when you think about the, the running time and by what you actually have, you think, well, yeah, you know, it's not like anything significant. It's not like full of plot, 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 plot. Do you know what I mean? I mean, in a way, that can be a good thing where it's like you feel battered by plot. But um, I think you know, but that was one of the things I noticed by by looking at like the what actually happens in the film, like you know. When we talk through running them sequentially, um, well, if I mean, we're done it, in twenty minutes, we'll know that's the case. <laughs> it's it's funny because I mean it reminds me of the Great Escape and those kind of films. Just in what respect? In 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 terms of like the whole the whole prison camp escape and and that kind of the, the more kind of epic kind of war films that they used to make. Yeah. Um, and I was just looking at The Great Escape, and that's 172 minutes. I watch, I, funnily enough, you know, you know how we've all got like films that we perceive everyone's seen, and we've all got ones we haven't? Yeah. Uh, the Great Escape was one of those until 
about a month and a half ago. I'd not seen it. Mm. And I watched it about a month and a half ago, and I must admit I was bored stiff. That's It might have been the mood I was in. I, I, I'm very reluctant to sort of, you know, um, proclaim on films after yeah. one viewing, particularly at home because I don't always concentrate as well at home. Hmm. Um, and it I, was long, and I don't I know how much guess... I was in the mood, but I can't say I was I can't say I was particularly thrilled by it. I, I haven't seen The Great Escape as well, actually, to, 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 to my shame. But I think... Oh, how um, embarrassing for us. Imagine admitting that. Um, but, uh, but the... Um, it, I think it... we should yeah do one of those podcasts where you watch a film that you've never seen before. I think that would be, that'd be funny. What? What? Just try and review something you've not seen. <laughs> Like, yeah, no, like, I, I, I think Becca's suggesting we do actually watch it quickly. Like, <laughs> like a commentary or... Yeah. I, I, I yeah, don't think well, yeah, Becca's just saying... Like, I choose yours. You could do Escape. Like, I, I, when I, I, you've never seen yours. You've never seen... She's never seen yours, no. She oh, hasn't. God. We've had that conversation. We've had that conversation, this... but just as an example, I thought it would be funny. It's going in the... Uh, it, it's it's on the list fairly soon, and Charlie's joining for us. Becca does want to see them, I believe. Yeah, I can't but wait. Never... Well, yeah, for Becca hadn't seen Rocky though of her, when, when when we came to reviews, wasn't that right? And that's still one of <laughs> that's still one of my favourite series ever, Rocky, that we did because partly because we went through it like with Becca seeing it for the first time, yeah, and she responded really well to them as well. So um, yeah, Jules, is like, you haven't seen Lethal, the, the Lethal Weapon films, Becca? Uh, I don't think so. I might, I might have seen. Is it the second one because it's got the exploding toilet? Yeah, so it's got in it. So yeah, that one I think. But apart from that, I've I've not watched them. You know, I've not sat down and watched them from beginning to end. Yeah. Um, it's just films that you know that have been on my list. Um, all, just, all I remember, for whatever reason, I've just not got around to it, or not not been able to get around to it for whatever reason. So apart from Joss Ackland being in it and Patsy Kensit, the only bit I remember from <laughs> *The Weapon* two. That's so it, random. She it's it's random the fact, words. right? It's the fact. Did she do a terrible? I, 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 I never. No, heard. she's a South African. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> she's okay in it. She's fine. Um, although I've not seen it for years, to be fair, and I've probably only seen it a couple of times anyway. Lethal Weapon three, I know I've only seen once, and Lethal Weapon four, I saw at the cinema, and I've only seen once. The first one I've seen a handful of times, but I didn't know the American term "batter up." As in baseball, batter yeah, up, baseball right? Player. He's in bed with her, and she's like naked but pressed against him. You can sort of see her tits a bit, and and he says batter up, and all I could think of was like fanny batter. I didn't know what he meant. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought he was saying like I've got you nice and creamy, right? And I thought even for a fifteen or an eighteen, that's surprisingly graphic for like a wide appeal cop film. And then a couple of years later, I was watching, I don't know, A League of Their Own or something like that, and they said, batter up, and I was like, oh, he didn't mean fanny batter. Fair enough. <laughs> or did Because the same year was Back to the Future 2, and that's got um, Griff saying batter up before he goes after uh, Martin I still McFly. didn't know what it meant, even when he had a bat in his hand, unless, because Griff's <laughs> doing such a weird voice, I didn't pick up what he was saying. Probably, because that voice is weird. That's that's uh, that year is such a big year for movies. You had Batman in that year as well. Uh, oh, well license license to Kill. Uh, license to Kill just got crowded out. Yeah. Um, what? What? I'm sure there's other films as well. Uh, Ghostbusters two. Yeah. Which is that? Yeah. So just that that was just would be mental for movies. I mean, by modern standards, it's it's still a big year by modern standards. But um, pre-COVID, we were getting 
way more than that. But um, relatively speaking for its time, there just wasn't the market. We've, we still had, you know, three and five screen cinemas maximum okay. in most places. So a, a lot of things just got absolutely crowded out that year. And I'm, especially I'm just, the rating as well. Yeah. Wasn't Honey, I Shrunk the Kids that year? Yeah. And then there's Excellent Adventure, Roadhouse. I'd say Excellent Adventure, for some reason, I always put in 87 and that's not right, is it? It was. I think it was made in '87, but it wasn't released until '89, yeah. because of what the, one of the companies went bust or something. But even yeah. then, Go on, you had sorry. like Field of Dreams and Parenthood and The Burbs. So all these kind of. Well, we've not even mentioned Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Well, yeah, Turner and Hooch. Look who's talking. Tango and Cash, Black Rain. Uh, talking of wide appeal films, The Little Mermaid. That would have been more family end, but that did good money. Yeah. Uh, that would be Disney as well. Dead Calm, that's a... Yeah, I think Dead Calm was more of a sleeper hit, though. Mm. It was a hit. It was a big hit. It's the first thing I ever saw Nicole Kidman in. Well, the first thing I ever saw her in as an adult, because she was in BMX Bandits, but (laughs) I don't think I'd realised. And you look at the highest grossing films of the year, and and that's not even counting Bond, because it's not on the list. Yeah. Uh, Looking at this list, Bond would have been about 12th judging by it the highest grossing film of the year was indiana jones and the last crusade followed by batman because it made 156 worldwide license to kill i knew it was in the 150s yeah and the number 10th film of the year made 161 born on the 4th of july so it would have been a place or two below that at most yeah but yeah i keep forgetting honey you shrunk the kids because i think i have a tendency to put that one in 1990 again maybe it was released that way here um Rain Man is showing. Now, I thought Rain Man came out in 88. Yeah, I'm sure sure that's 88. It definitely won the Oscars for 98. Yeah. Maybe maybe it was. Cry Kid 3 as well. Hmm? Cry Kid 3. Yeah. I forgot about that as well. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 5. I don't know how how big that was back then. Star Trek 5. Bored on the uh, 4th of July. But even though we're sort of like having an ironic laugh about one or two of them, they are all big name films. Yeah. Star Trek V might have come out a little bit cheap looking and some people might have been disappointed with it. But Star Trek films always do a certain amount of money and it's always in the top sort of 25 of a year. And um, yeah, so. Looks like Rain Man came out in December, mid-December 1988. So made most of its money. In eighty nine. In the in eighty nine. Oh, so which is why it's on the list. Yeah. I mean we're we're missing out the, the, the big one though, which is uh Police Academy Six, City Under Siege. That's the uh But that's the thing though. I mean even when you look now, when you look at the type of films that are in Weekend of Racing, Dead Poet Society, Look Who's Talking, and then Born on the Fourth of July as well. So the kind of variety that you just yeah. don't get now. Yeah. No, I think that's probably fair enough, but uh, this film wasn't made in 1989. How did we get onto that topic? <laughs> um, I, I, I think we tailed off, but I think the point oh, I was going to make is like films we haven't seen. Films I haven't seen, but um, I think the um, I was going to say when you when you see like a classic film that you've not seen, your expectations a bit higher as well. So you kind of like watch it thinking like, oh, well, I expect it's going to be great, and you kind of you know you watch it maybe in the, the wrong circumstances, and you just think oh, it's not working for me, or I'm just not quite engaged. Do you know what I mean? So that that can actually help help like 
deliver like a bit. The point was, uh, Lethal Weapon Two came out that year. Uh, yeah. Becca had seen it, and yeah. Jaws, and there's a few others. We started off by likening this to um, The Great Escape, which was something I hadn't seen until fairly recently. Uh, let's see how similar it is. Shall we discuss this film sequentially, folks? Yes. Um, I've just looked at all the films that are out there. <laughs> Pink <is> Cadillac. <laughs> What's the Natalie thing film for? Hey, I'll tell you what, I was getting quite a Clint Eastwood vibe off Caesar tonight, watching this. Mm. I don't know if it's because he's got like kind of a whisper of a voice and he's quite expression. Yeah. When I say expressionless, I don't mean in terms of poor acting or animation. I just mean he, he's, oh, yeah, he's, he has characters fairly impassive a lot of the time. He's got a scowl as well. Yeah. Very it, it, I know. I, there was something he said at one point. And I thought I must remember to point out that was really Clint Eastwood. <laughs> um, so where do we start? Well, one of the things I've, I I forget it was the Fox logo actually sort of starts off with actual like drums, like as if it's like you know made by the apes themselves. Yeah, it was like kind I... of like that. Yeah, that kind of thing. I like it when they do that. Yeah, and, and they, Fox for all their flaws did, did used to do a few different things with their logo now and again. Yeah, like the X would always disappear last in the X Men films and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, and the Alien Three one where the last note just goes into this kind of drone yeah which yeah. is the one where it looks like it's kind of underwater or that's kind of like a ripply blue kind of uh i know they did that on an x-men trailer but it might be for something like titanic or something or titanic was a fox film yeah that could have been but um, all these be coming to disney plus soon so well yeah disney yeah, plus star uh, two days after we record this yeah yeah uh, <laughs> nice yeah, we timed uh, that well. <laughs> it just means I might watch the first couple of series of Twenty Four again. I don't know about anything else. Um, no, no, you need to, we need to watch five. That's the last. That's the season. Oh, that's the one with the evil president. Yeah, and where David Palmer is shot in the first episode. Yeah, hope, he's the best I, season. Those of you who've never seen Twenty Four haven't had it completely ruined. Now. <laughs> yeah, but um, even, even so, still watch it. It's great. Season one is really good. Two's not quite as good, but good. Three's all right. It's got. A decent actor in it <laughs> but that chase uh four and five are great and then it starts going downhill a bit yeah i could just i could just imagine someone listening to this now and it's like no house on the on the simpsons of the pooch episode when are they going to get to the fireworks factory <laughs> <laughs> well, the cell i'm drawn on is going to get pulled off the protector towards the end of the episode all right so I can't remember the opening scene. Is it them uh, riding through snow? No, it's uh, you basically see soldiers and they're kind of like you know creeping up. So it's like them like sort of following like you know following through and they're like <laughs> following through poor men. <laughs> batter up. Uh... <laughs> batter up where? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it it basically sort of like they basically sort of like, you don't know what what they're doing at first, but they're kind of like sort of it looks like they're on patrol, but they're like actually leading up to like camp and they kind of stop and you sort of and you have like these uh, this gorilla who's like assisting them. Um, I think they're like they're referred to as donkeys, um, and they're that sort of spot like like some of the apes, so they're kind of like getting ready to sort of like take out, so they get ready to attack essentially, and. We basically opening on this kind of battle, so they kind of like assault on these apes, and you're seeing like basically just like full on like bullets flying everywhere, and um, and then the apes 
fight back with spears. So basically, you open with this like sort of big sort of war scene. Yeah, because it has, but it has the the kind of the Star Wars t- intro, doesn't it? Oh, it, it's got some text telling us. Yeah, because yeah. oh yeah. yes, sorry, because it's because it uses the titles. It says Rise and then Dawn, like in as 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 they're part of these um, as they're part of the, mm-hmm. the title cards, and then it says War, and then that turns into the uh, the actual title of the film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two years on, what? <clears throat> yeah, two years on. I mean, very early in the film. I mean, they they get hold of these guys. Caesar doesn't kill them. Mm. He says Caesar. Maurice signs something to him, but he's what he's clearly signing to him is, mm. "Don't we need to send them a message?" And he says, "They are the message. We we, we want peace." Um, but he says about um. His son isn't killed at that point. His son's killed a bit afterwards. But at that point, he is saying that I didn't start the war. The war who the, mm. the, the ape that did it, it was called Cobra, and he's dead. And apparently, uh, yeah, this uh, gorilla who's uh, helping them has been I've been caught. It's like you kind of get told that he's he was like a follower of Cobra. And they're so, all kind of staring, staying away, wondering what Caesar will do to them. Mm. And. I find that very interesting. It's such a small throwaway thing. But Caesar's our protagonist. Caesar, Caesar is the character we believe in. There's a, not literally, of course, but there's a humanity to Caesar. And yet there are followers of Cobra, and we know from the last film some were following him just in fear, who are scared of Caesar. And I just find that interesting that the film went there, even if, even in a throwaway fashion. Because Caesar's actually been generally pretty merciful. Yeah. Um, it was it's because a brutal um, fight scene. Cause even when they come back, they come up with spears and just see how brutal. Even the simplest weapons are just sort of come across as actually quite effective and equally as brutal as the hail of bullets. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. So yes, Caesar basically sort of t- like, sends them back. Um, they. They take the the I forget what he's called. I think it's just is he just referred to as donkey? Red. No, he's got a name. You're right. Yes, it's red. No. Uh, bear in mind, Charlie says I've watched this in two months. I watched it. I finished it two and a half hours ago, and he remembered, and I didn't. <laughs> I've yeah, just red. got the script up. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I, um, I, I've, I've actually got one on the screen, but I didn't. Yeah, it's um, yeah, red. And there's an albino uh, gorilla who. Yeah, winter. Takes, winter. winter uh, which we don't sort of see. Like, well, we find out later on that um, uh, when when he goes missing. But uh, yeah, so now Caesar meets up with his son and Rocky who just come back from a trip. Yeah, the small thing, just the, the small factor here about their truncated lifespans. I've hinted at it already. Um, we find out after what's about to happen that Blue Eyes was a father. But he was a father with, again, possibly in inverted commas, because I don't know how formal they make these things, but mm. with a wife. And um, he was very much a child in the last film, and, and only a couple of years have gone by. And I, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a sign that they aren't human. Their development and their lifespan is, is different to ours. So, you know, Caesar's a- approaching his autumn years now, almost. Mm. Um, yeah, it'll be his 50s, 60s or sort of that kind of thing, isn't he? I, mean, I don't know what the average lifespan for a, a chimp is. I've got a feeling it's in the 40s somewhere, but, and he's only in his 20s, but 
again, I, uh, we're, we're only saying what we don't know here, really. Um, they, they, they're talking about needing a new home, really. Yeah, because basically they've been discovered, so they thought out of our own safety, we need to mm. need to leave and, fight and, and, and get out of here. Um, uh, but isn't that after they get attacked? This is after they get attacked. They sort of sit around and talk about it. I don't think I had the subtitles on to start with, so I had to go back and put them on to listen to what they were saying because mm. Winter's at the sort of centre of it. Mm. And they're, they're talking about he and sort of Blue Eyes and others have been out looking what's beyond the the, the, the forest. Mm. And they they found sand, basically. Um, they literally pour some, some out and... I think the, the the thing the feeling is here that Caesar will want to sort of draw draw what forces there are away from his family and the people he's responsible for. Mm. Um, so they are they are very much looking at the possibility of a new home, but they don't even get a chance to sleep on it. They're attacked again straight away by yeah. Woody Allison. So it's basically, it's like a decoy. The whole plan was like to. Um... Well, they kind of like attack from a certain area, but then Woody sort of like creeps into like base, of, well, basically Caesar's bedroom through a waterfall, basically. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. But Caesar fa- finds like the the rope first and thinks, "Oh, I'm on something's afoot." Uh, and goes goes to try and investigate and finds some soldiers, but then it's uh, it's too late by then. Yeah, and Woody Harrelson looks. Full on scary here. Yeah, with that, um, with the uh, camo. Makeup. He's got camo markings on his face, but yeah, it doesn't look like you know the average recruitment ad for the Royal Marines. <clears throat> it's something way darker than that. Yeah, and because they're using the green lasers as well, it looks different. Can look, it feels fresh rather than where they usually use red lasers? Yeah, and that gives it a kind of a bit of a signature style. Yeah, and. Um, they probably haven't got standard issue machinery now anyway because not only were things supplies were probably thrown into all sorts of chaos in what's happened in the last few years but also then this is a rogue unit um even if they did still have um standard issue stuff logically um for the film to be kind of dropping the hint they're not common or garden soldiers anymore this is helpful yeah um this is kind of brutal and i just remember it's the first time in any planet of the apes film i got i got emotional uh it wasn't at the point where the attack happens it's at the point where cornelius is found alive yeah so basically caesar's caesar's got two children i believe two i don't know if there's a third i think there's two yeah two. um and his wife so judy greer does the sort of motion capture for his wife i don't think she ever speaks and then you've got Blue Eyes, who's been in, was in the last film as well, and Cornelius, who was born in the last film, so he's about two at this point. And Cornelius, uh, sorry, Blue Eyes and his wife, whose name I've forgotten, are both killed. And they go off to look for Cornelius, and when he sort of appears around the corner, the, the shock in Caesar's face, and the sort of just his breath literally being taken away. And then that flash in his eyes, it just looks so human. And I say it again, we've come a long way in in six years because you could produce images of Caesar that looked that good, you know, six years before. But I don't think you could emote quite that well. And that that realistic. 
that's that's one thing I always I loved about this film is that the amount of times you saw Caesar's eyes, close-ups of his eyes, and giving it that to be able to do that and the confidence to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, with, with a digital creature. But then you can do that. If you get it wrong, it looks silly. Well, yeah. So you can commit to doing that scene, throw a load of manpower at it, and have something that looks really hammy and stupid. You've, you've got you've got the reference shots from Andy Serkis, obviously. And yeah. I know they're doing performance capture, but there's still animation involved. Oh, of course, yeah. When, whenever they've talked about, you know, should we nominate these actors for best actor and things like that it's like no because you you it their, their performances are somewhat interpreted by somebody else but you can see andy circus in this yeah yeah um, i thought it was this this was probably two years after the film apart from the last scene and the woody harrelson's last scene this is probably the scene i remembered most that it, his face Literally, I was just blown away by it when I first saw it. I saw it on the big screen, and I just thought, I can't believe they've done that to that quality. Because mm. I've just got choked about a digital character. Uh, so now they've got to get away, haven't they? Yeah, so the idea is like, right, our, our home is blown, essentially, so we have to find but Caesar it takes Rocket and Maurice. Um, and who else? And there's another Luca. one. Luca, that's yeah. it. Um, and they basically sort of... He, he's just off like... To... Although, I have to say, Caesar's our main character. Uh, Rocket has been there since the first film. And, and Maurice has always been sort of um, Caesar's closest confidant, if you like. So Luca may as well be wearing a red shirt from Star, <laughs> yeah. from Star Trek. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's like well, there's your collateral damage. <laughs> uh, that said, I like this character. There was a scene with the child, and again, I, I don't want to just be praising the technical because that kind of, in some respects, misses the point. But there was a close-up on him while he was sort of having a moment with the child. And I just couldn't believe how photorealistic like his head was, like mm. the hair on his head. And I just thought, for all the world, that looks like the most sophisticated puppet I've ever seen. Um, but with real eyes, it was just I was really <laughs> impressed by it. Yeah, he has a sort of like a um, a nice moment of child, which spells "You're about to die." <laughs> yeah, I'm feel I'd prove this character because it's about to go. Yeah, uh, they, they, I can't remember where it is they're heading, but obviously they head into some little sort of village or encampment or yeah. whatever you would call it. And there's a guy holding like a load of like timber, basically. I was about to say holding wood, but they've all got dirty minds, listeners. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and he drops it to reveal a gun and he's about to shoot them. Caesar shoots him and that's where they find the child. Um, Quite where they're going, I don't know. I think the main thing is they're just trying to. Um, I think. I think. I think they're kind of. They're going. I think Caesar's just straight after revenge, but in, in a way, it's kind of like to act as a decoy for the rest of them. That's what I've always thought. He's a decoy, but I don't know if there's rhyme and reason to what it, he's doing. It's kind of. It, it's he's kind of going the other direction. Like these these people or this this colonel's just killed my my son and wife, so I'm going to go and get him. 
but it 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 also give you also give you like the best chance of of getting away because then because then like I'll, I'll I'll be like the one they have to deal with while you can get away. But but if you were going east and I wanted to draw people away from you. I just run in the other direction. It doesn't mean I've got a plan other than run in the other direction, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I don't know. The one thing I've, I've always wondered about, and I don't know what your opinion is on this, uh, the little girl, right, she can't speak. Now, the hint as the film unfolds is this is for the same reason the other humans are slowly not being able to speak. But the other humans are losing all mental capacity, and I'm not sure if the girl falls into that category. So I'm not quite sure what the situation is with her. I don't know, because I don't think it's even established uh, whether they do or not. I mean, I know um, uh, Woody Harrelson's character, uh, he, he says that like they've lost uh, his humanity and, and that, but I don't actually see that like, I'm, yeah. I'm not convinced mean? he even recognised Caesar at the end uh, yeah um, I don't know if it's because she's she's pre-adolescent yeah or she could even be second generation with it we don't oh, know yeah. who her parents yeah. are yeah i.e. like a limitation has been passed on to her but she's not dying of it in the same way I don't know yeah, so it may be that, that it's kind of paving the way for humans to exist, but with the muting as we've seen in the original films. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, I mean, mutations there. Exactly, that, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that's what the, the fear is. You can understand the fear of apes here. Um, if there's... I don't know if it's a flaw with the Woody Harrelson character because I really like him as an actor and I yeah. like the character and I think the character fits the film but he's just possibly slightly one too, di- too one-dimensional for the nuance of the fact that like even the most reasonable human being would be a little bit fearful of apes and fearful of each other mm-hmm. because... They've, you know, all the survivors have caught this thing. It's now mutating. Would anything be stopped if you took apes out of circulation? I don't really know. I think they, we do actually see Winter, don't we? They go to like a military camp next. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they um, find Winter basically like sold them out. He's he's now like a donkey, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and so they they go and question him, and they find out that basically he let. Red go and went and rent room because he kind of was said, "Oh, you'll be allowed to live." Mm. Um, so he kind of he kind of did it uh, yeah. to save his own. Oh, but, uh, but then they end up like, well, he ends up getting killed or suffocated because um, he tries to call for help and they try and. Yeah. Um, He's terrified again. It's brilliant motion capture. Mm. It, you know. Maybe they could have achieved some of this a few years before, but they wouldn't have achieved it with every character. It just wouldn't have been the resources for the technology that was around. So you might have had Caesar looking great and one or two of the other characters. Winter is a minor character, and yet they've really, really essayed his mm. fear here. Um, yeah, so they end up unconscious. Then what? They just—they're—it's they're, a road trip. Yeah, yeah. They've got 
they've got they find um they yeah, find they basically find the colonel's not there, so they go and try and find the colonel. Yeah. And they find bodies, one of whom's alive, can't mm. talk, blood coming out of the nose. So Caesar shoots him because Maurice says he's not gonna make it anyway. Mm. He's been shot already. Um and then I think we meet Bad Ape. Yeah, so uh, Bad Ape tries to steal the shotgun. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we spend like you know, 20 minutes, half an hour talking with Bad Ape. I don't know what to make of Bad Ape. I, I, I appreciate Bad Ape because... All right, on the plus side, he's really well animated. On the plus side, I, rec- I recognise that they've made some effort to address what I perceived as a slight failing of the previous film, and presumably they did too, of not quite varied enough a tone. I don't know if this is the way you fix it, but okay. I think the problems I've got with it is it, it does seem a little bit out of place, and I can't help but hear that that's Steve Zahn. So, I don't know, there's some sort of SNL comedian's voice coming out of a digital ape. It, it, mm. it, I find that a little bit off-putting. That's not his fault. That's the fact I know who he is. Um, and I think you're right. I think this section of the film goes on a bit too long. But I must say, some of his little moments are quite funny. Yeah, so when um, he kind of like rushes off and then appears to sort of trips over something and goes like, okay, I'm okay. Um, and that got a laugh. Like... Especially, I think, remember in the cinema. Yeah. And, you know, and he'll, he'll be speaking, like, pretty perfect English and then have a momentary bit of excitement about something and go straight into, like, ape noises. Mm-hmm. And I, I just kind of like it. But what he adds to the film, I don't know. I, I genuinely believe he's there to sort of correct something they think they got wrong last time. But I might be wrong. I'm not in their heads, of course. Mm. This is where the film starts to lose me very slightly. Yes, because it's kind of dragged on a bit. So, yeah. uh, let's have a look at my notes. Um, uh, it also must say, like, sort of, Caesar's having, like, sort of, visions of Cobra throughout. Yeah. So, obviously, after, after like, killing Winter, he kind of, like, sort of ha- has a dream where Cobra tells him, hey, kill well, no ape. It's, it's not a natural killer, is he? Yeah. That's his conscience talking. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, there's basically just sort of just follow the follow the show. They find, basically find the camp, don't they? Or they, or they they come across some other soldiers. They talk with um, Nova, who's not called Nova at this point, but um, the little girl ends up being yeah. They get if, Nova they, by Morris. Yeah, they end up having a, a struggle with some soldiers, and Luna gets killed. Yep, uh, that's your red shirt. That's um, your red shirt yeah. And then from that, Caesar says, "No, I'm going to go it alone." And then basically goes to the campsite um, where the colonel is. Uh, there's the apes, like sort of almost like crucified, and kind of in that, sort of, in, in that scarecrow kind of pose, which is in the first film. Um, this is brutal. I mean, they're just they're slave labour basically, um, yeah. and they're not being fed or watered really, and it's just utterly brutal conditions. And another, again, another thing with what they're able to do now with Caesar is the pain and tiredness on his face just really builds up over mm. the last act of the film. He even loses a bit of his colouring. 
So he gets captured. Uh, we have the big meet-up with Woody Harrelson. Um, we know he's a wrong one because he's wearing sunglasses at night indoors. Oh, um, that's just evil. <laughs> I mean, if he'd smoked a cigarette as well, Christ. <laughs> By having copious amounts of, of some sort of alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> um, They're but... always drinkers. They often have that. They frequently smoke, yeah. Um. Yeah, he he sort of apo- he apologizes to Caesar, but it's kind of a non-apology apology. I'm sorry, I killed your family. I was trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. And then he's sort of put to work as well. Yeah, so it's uh, it's kind of like a little bit of a throwback to the first film because it's like he's like backing chains with other apes, and kind of has to sort of. There's a little bit of like there's a natural sort of leader with him where he kind of almost like sort of sparks a um revolution because he he sort of stands up and says no they need food and water you want you want to work and you know that's just like common sense as well because like you have to feed feed them something because otherwise you're not going to be able to do shit for very long um because they'll be just too weak but he said no feed them and the colonel is like threatening with no i'll just kill you um uh, and then the other apes sort of work on behalf of caesar so they sort of start, no, we don't want to see to die, we'll, we'll carry on working. So Caesar doesn't give up, but the workers kind of, it's almost like an I am Spartacus kind of moment. I don't want to say yeah. quite that way, but it's, it, but it's like, it, it doesn't, it does inherit that Caesar is a natural leader that they all follow and are willing to do whatever it takes yeah, for him. Definitely. I, I think there's, um, there, there is a bit of that about the film. I was trying to place it, I don't, I don't know if it was French Revolution I had in my mind or what, but it definitely feels a bit of a throwback somehow. But I do think... On the one hand, I'm very, very impressed with what they've achieved. On the other hand, against the background of really, really enjoying this film, I, I do wonder if we just got... like that, Come the end where Caesar's hanging upside down in the snow and if he's, if he's not ready to work tomorrow, shoot him and all the rest of it. Yeah. I'm just thinking, I think you've made your point. You know, I, I understand this camp is brutal. Yeah, and and that's the thing. That's what I mean. Where it kind of because between this, it's basically like back and forth with Maurice and Rocket mm. and Bad Ape, and they're kind of like planning, planning stuff. Yeah, and there is a lot, before, you know, beyond this. So, <laughs> you know, they, um. So they they try and like find like um, like escape to try and dig a hole underneath, don't they? They try and like sort of like look at tunnels, and um, their rocket kind of causes like a, a like almost like a distraction. He, he kind of comes in of his own accord, doesn't he? Like almost like surrendering, surrenders himself. Yeah. To kind and of just get... as they're about to shoot him, yeah, he's distracted them enough to yeah. Uh, but it's also a way to sort of get someone in there to let Caesar know what's up. It's like, yeah. Um, uh, we we learn that um, that the Colonel's like a rate is a rogue that, that he's, he's actually disbanded from the main forces who are. Yeah. That's what he's trying to do. He's fighting against them now. Yeah. So he's getting them the apes to kind of build like a, a fort essentially. I don't know that I've got much more to say about this section of the film. I think it's effective. I do think it's mm. effective. I cannot believe the animation of that, that character and the, the performance capture. What do you think, Charlie, to this section? 
Um, yeah, it's all right. I mean, I, th- I think it's kind of thing where it's it's almost necessary to have. Mm. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that I was talking about earlier that kind of reminds me of of, of older war films where they're kind of beginning to establish um, <clears throat> Caesar's power and how and also how the uh, the humans are afraid of him and uh, but how they, and why they should be afraid of him because of the way he uh, the ability he has to be able to lead kind of, yeah to lead to and, lead. and get, yeah. get everyone up um and one of the pluses of the fact that by nature of the fact he's an ape he's not an orator his, his english is fine yeah but he's not an orator and if there's there's anything i if there's one thing i've always hated in these call the war films battles anything like that i i, I never like the rousing speech to the troops i know yeah. why it's there but i always find it cheesy over long and not that inspiring and when you get reaction shots of you know the soldiers giving it yeah i'm just thinking christ you're dumb and easily wound up aren't you yeah um i, I don't ever i don't ever think it's that effective in films although i do appreciate if i went to see like return of the king and it wasn't there it would be odd that it wasn't there but it's one of the things that it's such a quiet power because he, he's not giving great oratory he's leading by example and experience yeah and and sheer endurance because he's enduring everything they're putting him through absolutely becca what do you think um yeah i think yeah it's, it's, it's pretty good i think um i would agree with the comment that chris made at the top of the show that you know, for all its pluses, this film was a bit too long. I think obviously they were going for the kind of like biblical war epic theme, um, and yeah, two hours twenty, a little bit much. Um, but the, this, you know, it's not till kind of like we come towards like the halfway point, it kind of does drag on a little bit. Um, I would kind of agree with you a little bit about Bad Eight, but kind of he's you know comic relief. I must I must admit, um, Steve Zahn was a bit of a I, I don't know, kind of unexpected casting <laughs> for me. Uh, I mean, he's, he's a very solid actor. Um, I kind of know him mainly for sort of like comedy roles where he's like the buddy or, you know, the foil, definitely. Um, and here he does that very well. But he's also kind of like... He's, he's kind of budget Owen Wilson. Yeah, like he is. I remember there's a period like maybe like 90s or like early 2000s where like he was in every comedy movie going, which is, you know, it's not a complaint. Um, but he's never been know. a leading man. Yeah, this is it exactly. But I mean, you know, here he's 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 the comedic, um, he's the comedy relief, or for me, he's the comedy relief, um, and also he's that kind of step towards, I don't know, apes becoming more human. Obviously, like in the in the first the first film, Planet of the Apes, um, of, of the ever, ever 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 first film in the series, um, you know, it's all point where they kind of evolved where they wear clothes, for example. And this in this new trilogy is a kind of first step to where where we see that. Obviously, we're seeing with the body paints and things like that, but you know, he, he dons that kind of the body warmer, um, gilet, whatever you want to call it, um, and that's kind of like a bridge to that gap. So that if maybe they made another film in the series, it would be a direct relation to the first film, and it would all go around in a big loop. Um, but in, in a nutshell, I liked it. <laughs> Sorry, I don't answer the questions very directly. Apologies. No, Just trying to pick right. up on all the various points that you made. 
I mean, eventually, I, I don't know that I want to say much more about them leaving the camp other than they do. And it, and it is quite grueling to watch Caesar to go through all that. Uh, yeah, um, it's a bit epic, it, isn't it? And you and, do and, get that and, feeling that you go through it all with them. Running and times you do... are so, such a weird esoteric thing anyway, because I watched Once Upon a Time in the West for the first time in a few years last week. It's half an hour oh, long, and I love it. Yeah, uh, some of those films are really long, though, aren't they? It's not a problem in, in and of itself. And I'm not sure I think it is full of a load of padding. I, you could appoint a couple of things, notably Bad Ape, I suppose. But it's almost something intangible. It's almost like Matt Reeves has a wonderful skill set and he just hasn't quite mastered flow, maybe, for, for me, not for everyone. I mean, again, the other thing is we all have different reactions to these things. You know, if I, there's certainly some people you put films on for and if it's over 90 minutes, they're going out of their heads you know so no i mean this is you know this is kind of one of those films like we've you know been through this series and all the all the films if you think all the films that we reviewed so far some were you know where they run time better than others like look at the really long bond films that we've reviewed or some films perhaps are too short you know 90 minutes when they could be an hour um, quantum of solace the post it could be two hours or something for example yeah quantum. quantum of solace would be a much better film with 15 minutes more to well this breathe. is it it well, was yeah it's a perfect example and like quite you've got films like skyfall and inspector that are even the earlier you know earlier bond films and they expect to be two hours or whatever and it just depends on how they wear their runtime but i mean i think in general this film is probably one even though it is long it's better pace it does you know it hits a few snags here and there and around this sort of point it does begins to drag for me a little bit but yeah. You know, to make up for that, you do kind of feel that you're going through that process with Caesar. Well, I think really the cooling. unspoken yeah. thing, the unspoken thing from me so far is that I, I, I think I'm going to rank this film top and I feel like I've done nothing but pick fault with it. And I, I think there's a backhanded compliment in, in that, that I think the fault I'm picking is because I think Matt Reeves is that talented. I think he's that good that... Um, I think he's certainly, you know, a step above Rupert Wyatt and, and that, that sort of definitely. thing. Um, I, I would definitely agree with you. I think it's one of those films where it's a combination of everything. It's like technical excellence, performance, motion capture, which I agree with you guys deserves awards in, in itself. Um, score, it's just everything coming together in a really cohesive way. I mean, yes, there are a few niggles here and there. Um, but yeah, definitely but the, the, the direction that, and the technical brilliance. He sat at the centre of a film that's beautifully acted, incredibly animated, looks great, sounds outstanding. Um, so you, you've got to give him all the credit in the world. The only scenes I really want to refer to going forward, unless anything anything else comes up for people, is obviously the death of our sort of two main characters, if you like. Um, uh, Caesar well, had a had the doll that the little girl had. I think he kept trying to keep it safer or something or she gave mm. it to him. I can't really remember what that was about. But he took it away in spite and then got infected by it. So um, he got infected by that. So uh, Woody Allen is... They, they're all complaining, the soldiers, that he, it Woody seems Allen. he is them complaining they haven't seen him. <laughs> Sorry? What, said Woody, Woody Allen. Allen. Did I say Woody Allen? I was going to say, do you mean Harrelson? Well, oh, I, I think well if you're going to disagree with my casting choices, um, yeah, really I knew I'd do that once tonight. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I nearly tried, needed that accidentally at the, at the top of the show, I so I, I might have called him something else. But they so were trigger warning. They, had, they were complaining they hadn't seen the colonel. And Caesar realises something's going on, and he goes up there, and he's basically lying on, I don't know if it's a bed or a sofa or whatever it is, unable to reach a bottle on the floor, unable to reach his gun, 
his nose is bleeding and he's he's hissing not talking i found that an interesting choice it's not that he can't speak he's he's hissing that's the only way he can express himself it's almost like an internal frustration it's it's there's something logical about a soldier hissing when they can't talk and I, I just think all of those choices will have been conversations that happen. And Caesar wants to kill him, but just can't bring himself to do it. Lets him kill himself. Yeah, uh, and the, he, it's always like the the yeah, poetic ending, isn't it? Sort of like you know you you, you end up coming the thing that you, you you fear. Because yeah, you, and 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 largely, I mean, he might have caught it anyway. I mean, like like the current pandemic, there's multiple ways to catch things, and they're not always your fault. But in fact, they're more often than not not your fault in any way um but if he did catch it off that doll which is the implication from how the scene is shot he caught it because of his own uh pointless cruelty that just wasn't necessary at all in trying to prove a point to caesar he's ended up giving himself the big thing he feared mm. um and caesar in the escape from that area clearly takes a bullet although we don't see it and when they sort of get away to their sort of promised land he dies before he, he gets get an arrow as well doesn't he because uh you had the because in, in this big battle battle scene we got the, the 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 other soldiers coming over uh and the end of the apes like escape from the prison um or from the camp um yeah. they're trying to get cut across and getting and uh they're getting shot by the big artillery stuff so caesar yeah. tries to blow up the big tank using the grenade but uh the red the the, the donkey he, he yeah. has his moment yeah so you kind of it's weird because like throughout the film you have like the one of the of the soldiers stand out because he was there at the beginning and he's one of the ones that Caesar spared. So you kind of like expecting him to ha- kind of have like a, a sympathy, like kind of like his moments kind of but spare it's not Caesar. Him at all. <laughs> it's so they kind of like do one eighty where like it's actually Red who kind of starts like sort of no I'm on the wrong side here and kind of gives himself the ultimate sacrifice. Um, so that's well done. Um, and then Caesar just just blows up the tank and just blows up the like the entire wall. Um, and then everything it's blows up. It's very impressively away. staged. I mean, it, just the the levels of destruction and how they happen. Mm. It's properly storyboarded. It isn't explosions for explosions' sake. There's a logic to how that whole place goes up, which I like. And I think the only the last thing I'd like to mention is just. The work on the mocap and animation work on Maurice as he realizes Caesar's is dying. Again, mm. they didn't just have a ton of tears coming out of his face. They 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 animated it very subtly. Um, that this is going to mean more to Maurice than he can let on, and hurt him more than he can let on. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he sort of like sort of says, "Oh, your son will, your son will know what is who his father was and." It's Cornelius. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then there's a look up to the sky. Let's say Caesar Spirit's left and end credits. It's, it's, it's amazing just how much is done in this film. And, uh, this film particularly without dialogue. I agree. Um, when you think of the scene with the, the last scene with the colonel. Yeah, which, I agree. There's not, a, there's not a word. He hisses you know, and that's it. Yeah, in other films, that would be kind of like maybe the dialogue kind of last stand kind of thing. Yeah, but it's a stage beyond that, Chris. Think how brave that is, because if you've got Denzel Washington in your cast, 
uh, you think, well, I'm not worried about dialogue in that scene because he'll be able to show me it with his eyes. Mm. Uh, writing it with no dialogue when you're trusting an animator to do it off off a performance capture, that's braver. Absolutely. But you also got Woody Allison there as well. I mean, and I think he, 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 kind of, he can see the desperation in his eyes, almost like he can kind of read exactly what's going through his head. I only noticed it tonight. It, it, I'm, I'm overstating something that's quite a small choice, but just the fact that he's a soldier and it's the one thing that he most feared, the fact that he hissed was just a really interesting choice. It, it seems like he was like trying to force it out. It's like he's like kind of no, no, this is not happening. He's so he's like kind of <sighs> like that kind of yeah. thing. He's like yeah, exactly. It, it yeah. Um, even the type of sort of noise he's made, he's, it's been thought about. It isn't literally a hiss. It's reminiscent of a hiss. Yeah. And um, he seemed like desperate and kind of. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna lead off with some final thoughts, and I'm actually gonna give you my ranking. And it's up to you whether you want to give a full ranking or just a ballpark figure, because I do have it written down. Um, my final thoughts on the film are, I feel that there are occasionally reviews we do where I just think the content of what I'm saying doesn't match what I think. It doesn't mean I'm lying. It means I like a film and then I spend two hours giving it a hard time. I, I did it with something like Back to the Future too, you know, which is... It's not a genius film, but it's quite a brave film in its way. You know, the way they try. And it was quite an interesting film and I've always enjoyed it. And we, we did a show on it and I destroyed the fucking thing. And it was just, but I like it. You know, I, I, this is wrong. That's wrong. This is wrong. But I love it. And I feel a bit like that about this. I, I, I've picked on pacing and Bad Ape and a few other things tonight. And the fact is, I, I do think. I'm coming round to the idea that had it been a less talented director or a director I perceive to be less talented, I'd have been probably a bit kinder. Um, I think this film's really good. I just think the the, the, the the quality of performances, the trusting the audience, because there's so little dialogue in this. I mean, in most of the first film we saw with Caesar, he's he's around human characters most of the time. You know, it's only a bit near the end of the film, so you've got a human there to interpret it. You know, a bit like you have with episodes of Flipper. You know, it's it's you. It's much easier than trusting Caesar to rouse troops without saying very much, to communicate something with his eyes to an equally talented actor in Woody Harrelson without saying anything, to expect mass market audiences because this is a franchise to go in and read quite a bit of the film. So I think this is this is brave, grown-up filmmaking that caps a very, very special trilogy indeed. And for everything I've just said, the flaws don't mean much at all. This is an excellent film. And as for the as for that, I've ranked it at the top. I've put Rise one behind it. So those are my top two, and then I'm going to work from the bottom up. So I put Beneath the Planet of the Apes bottom. And I feel bad doing it because it was quite a brave film in its way. But I was epically bored, and that's all I can say. Uh, I put the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes just above that because I found that virtually irredeemable. In some respects, I probably should have put it bottom. Uh, but things like some of the things like the makeup and design just made me give it a bit of a sort of partial credit. Then I put Battle for the Planet of the Apes, which I expected at the outset of the series to be bottom, but actually quite enjoyed it this time. 
Then, and this is the controversial one, and Charlie will just be shaking his head, I'm sure. At number six, I've put the original Planet of the Apes, um, which I know is incredibly harsh on it, but it is, in importance, in, in every way, it should be higher. But if I'm ranking on how much I've enjoyed these, I can't. I really can't, because Charlton Heston's a fucking dreadful actor. I put Dawn of the Planet of the Apes next, and that's the other one. That's the other one I think I've been really harsh on. I think to stick out any of the Matt Reeves films in the middle is really tough. But I watched it a few weeks ago when we last recorded, and I struggled through the last third. For some of the reasons I did tonight, but but worse, far worse, the final act of that film, just I was bored, uh, even though I think the film's really good. At four, I put Conquest because I love these two. At number three, I've put Escape from the Planet of the Apes. And frankly, of the original five, they're my favourite two. But yeah, I've given Pride of Place to the first and the last in the newest trilogy in my rankings. Okay. Charlie? Final How dare you? Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll start. It's a job we're all friends, isn't it? I know, like, Charlie's, like, Charlie's genuinely pissed off, but he's not angry or anything. <laughs> <clears throat> I'll, try, I'll go from the bottom up as well. Yep, she said. Um, <laughs> yeah. Watch your more raised eyebrow there. At the bottom, I've got the remake. Yeah, I think um, I should have to be honest, but go on. The makeup's good. Obviously, Rick Baker is a genius. Yeah. Um, and some of the performances are okay, but otherwise, it's shocking. And it didn't. It just—it's an exercise in futility with a, a, the wrong director the wrong star and it's just all just soulless just because you could doesn't mean you should yes exactly Quite right. um, then I've got Battle which I enjoy I have fun with it but it just feels nothing and it's a very it's a very kind of limp conclusion to uh, to the series um I think and, uh, I just helped it, I, not to talk over you too much, but just my addition to that would be purely mm. that I think it got too off the bottom for me because my memory of it was so bad. And when I watched it, it was like somewhat confident. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, sorry, go on. Sorry. Um, and then I've got Beneath. Just really for those last 15 minutes. I mean, I recognise that the rest of the film is um, boring as hell and fairly dire. Those last 15 minutes just redeem it enough for me, and the, the nihilism of it, just just to put it above battle. I do I do think I was harsh putting it bottom. That was a pure enjoyment call because it has so much more ambition than the remake. Yeah. Um. At number six, I put Rise, which yeah I really enjoy it. Um, I, but it's just I'm not a big huge James Franco fan, but um. It's just one that I enjoy, but I, I don't. I recognise how good it is, but it's not one of my favourites, you know. No, I know exactly. Um, then we've got Dawn. Okay. Which was a uh, kind of much more along my kind of taste than Rice. I and think I, that's true of me too, generally. Yeah. It just everything about it, um, just just the general tone of it. I think um, I, I was much more interested in um, then conquest. Yeah, you get into the good stuff now. Yeah, and then war. Yep. Um, 
then Escape, which is just fabulous. I love Escape. I think that's, um, yeah, I could have put that top quite easily. Yeah, and then I would have, I kind of flitted between that and the original film, which I do have as top. Yeah, I expected that. And to be honest, I, even though my list is very different from yours, I can't pick us. Not that I would, because we're all polite to each other, but I, I could not pick a single flaw with that list. I really couldn't. I couldn't go. Whereas you could look at mine and go, "What have you put that there for?" I can't. I can't do that with your list, if I'm honest. So I quite like yours. It's good. Thank you. <laughs> mm. Have you got one, Chris? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> trying to remember. I, I I know the Burton remake's definitely bottom. I know I could tell you that for that free. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, Becca. Have you got a list yet? No. So this films at the top, remakes at the bottom, right. everything else. In What's your to in be the... honest, it would be kind of very similar to yours, Dave. I think it would be broadly similar. Um, I kind of might rank the original slightly higher, um, and then some of the the duff ones in the middle. Well, I um, wrote I wrote my list a few weeks ago, right? And I I yeah, promised well... myself I would just read it out tonight and justify whatever it was I thought weeks ago. And I couldn't remember what was in has it. Has what, it changed in those in those weeks? I do think I've been harsh on... So what I've done there, I try to balance quality. It's not objective, of course. It's subjective. Quality of quantity. What I believe of is quality with what I enjoyed. And what that list is, is literally what I enjoyed. Because I've been too harsh on at least three films there way too harsh on three films but if i rank the order i want to watch them in that's the order that's correct do you have your favorites war is it yeah this is yeah this one's my favorite um and then probably oh gosh yeah this is quite difficult to do like an on-the-spot ranking oh you don't have to do a whole ranking what was your least favorite i could Uh, guess these probably is yeah the remake and then probably that really awful 70s one (laughs) You didn't, you didn't like Beneath, but then maybe it was bad. I'm sorry, no, I wasn't a fan. I do apologise. I know some people do like it. Now, Chris, where are you at with it? I think... So I do really like the the, the, the new trilogy, so I'm going to put them at top. So I'm going to put Dawn, uh, Rise of War. Uh, so Dawn first, uh, Rise second, War third, then Planet of the Apes fourth, and then you can kind of interchange uh, Escape and Conquest I for agree. me. They're very different films, but they feel of a piece. It, it's yeah. that, but also it's like, you know, if I want, I mean, I, I, I would say Conquest is probably a, a more kind of one you can probably put on more because it's, like, it's very sort of quite action, action-y kind of, yeah. you know, t- but then again, that it doesn't have a lot in it, whereas I think you get more out of uh, Escape. But that's Escape's kind of very sort of light. And yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't you know finish I mean? light, but a yeah, lot of the running time's fun. There's not many yeah. battle stuff in it, which is which is kind of in its own way good. So I'm just a bit like, oh, I don't know which I don't know which one I prefer. I can, I can kind of interchange both of them. Um, the the remake is dead, dead last. Uh, and again, with Battle and Beneath, Again, they're kind of interchangeable because while uh, battle isn't that great, um, neither is beneath. But you know, one plays it kind of safe-ish, and the other one kind of 
you know just sort of goes for it and, and misses but there's but there's, there's elements of like well at least you went for it <laughs> do you know what I mean so I, I don't know so I'm, I'm kind beneath, of Beneath the Planet of the Apes always reminds me of that episode of the Dukes of Hazard where they changed the two leading men just for one season there's just something a, b- a bit TV movie spin-off it's like mm. this is our TV version of Charlton Heston so yeah I think that's why it went bottom. It was just like, it, it, it's actually, it's just the one I enjoyed least, to be honest. But Charlie's right. It's a, it's a, it's a brave film. It's a very brave film. So yeah. Becca, have you got any facts to finish, to finish us off? Ooh, that'd be <laughs> nice. Can you finish us off, Becca? Facts. We're going from the bottom Pardon? to finish us off. Yeah. Uh, that's not what I'm here for. <laughs> All right, then. Um, yeah, I've got some cobbled together factoids. Please wait. Talk amongst yourselves. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, it's being really slow on my side. Apologies. Okay. There we go. Right, no, sorry. Yes, fun fact number one. For the rebooted series, also it contains many references and callbacks from the classic movies. This film is no different. All from the Planet of the Apes appear to continue this trend with Nova being named obviously after Linda Harrison's iconic role. Um, and also the name of the rebelling humans Alpha and Omega. Um, <clears throat> as a reference to the name of the bombs in Beneath the Planet, the Apes. Fun fact number two, the only returning actors for his latest film have been the actual motion capture one. So Addie Circus, um, Karen Conneval, Terry Notary, they've all appeared in the previous uh, new reboot series. Uh, fun fact number three, one of the few films, this is a bit of random, um, and sorry if I've got this wrong, we've spoken a bit about the technical elements of this film, so excuse me if this is a glaring error. Um, this is one of the few films of the ni- since the 1990s, I've written of the 1990s, since the 1990s, to be shot on 65mm, and it gives it a really high, um, a highly stylized, epic feel. Um, some of the films around this time, uh, 2016, 2017, um, obviously include Hate for Late, which you mentioned, um, Dunkirk, Christopher Nolan, um, and also Ken Brenner's Murder on the Orient Express it kind of does give it that kind of really epic I use that word a lot but I do mean it here, a really kind of epic sheen um, fun fact number four um, this is the only instalment in a series that doesn't credit uh, I can't pronounce his name Pierre Bull, I can't pronounce his name, I do apologise the, 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 yeah, the original author oh sorry but I'm just going to murder all these names um, but obviously as I, as I mentioned um, I think I remember reading an interview with with the director, and I think him and the writer they they sat down and watched like a million movies in, in quotation marks. Um, and obviously, one of the films they watched was Bridge on the River Kwai and another kind of you know well known war movies. Um, obviously, also written by Bill definitely. Uh, and then finally, from fact number five, um, for the scene where Morris speaks to the little girl with the name Nova. Apparently, that's the original dialogue of Charlton Heston. I think it's been digitally enhanced, but apparently, that's where that line comes from. Um, and it's actually the original dialogue of Charlton Heston. So I think that's quite a fun fact. Cool. And that's it, I'm afraid. And that's it from our, for our so not, not particularly fun. But... No, it, it, that's, it's, I've enjoyed doing these. It's just um, what a whiplashy series it is, though. It's all over the place in terms of not just quality, but style and everything, isn't it? Yeah, I, have, different... I, have, I have a fun fact of just looking on IMDb. <gasps> probably Any donkeys. Fruit? No, no fruit, no, sadly. Film about monkeys. Is... Not very much. No. Well, but like you know. No, uh, no, no, uh, bendy shaped fruit. No. Um, no, no straight shaped fruit either. Or no. Um, so apparently, called apparently, uh, the, the term donkey is actually for Donkey Kong. 
Oh yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, I did not see that. Donkey Kong was a yes for the young younger people listening. Look up Donkey Kong. So because they well, still make Donkey parents. Kong games, <laughs> do they? He's, he's still a cat. Yeah, he's a because he's in Mario Kart as well and all those games. Yeah. All right, so, I've never had Nintendo. Cool. So he makes never. Donkey Kong. Yeah. Cool. I think you've got a new game out for the Switch coming soon. That mm. yeah, oh my God, didn't realise. I th- I thought to be honest, when they said like his name was Donkey, I thought it was because obviously they're like you know more powerful when they do all the heavy lifting and you know that kind of thing so uh, maybe it's because i am a nerd but i immediately thought donkey kong that is well, it's our age as well charlie. sorry it's our age. it's our generation as well charlie yeah because, because of because of king kong as well yeah and that yeah as for social media you can find me at the pastor kid 1976 on twitter Hey, you can find all the old episodes at simshots.co.uk. Uh, we're also available on Apple and Spotify and all the rest of it. You can find me at Films on Wax on Twitter, and it's been a pleasure visiting the Planet of the Apes for you. Excellent. That's what I meant to look up, actually. Before Becca goes into, I'm just going to see what you're next on. Because, <laughs> Charlie, we have agreed a few series going forward, and Charlie... Yeah. What is going to be on? Well, Charlie will always join us for series now and again, but looking at what's coming up, Charlie will be joining us in one, two, three, about four series time for the Tolkien films, and a couple of series after that for Jules. Cannot wait! Ah, oh, so excited! So, I'm genuinely excited. I'm us really as good. in our podcast, Becca. Where can people find us? We are everywhere. Yes, you can follow Do You Expect Us to Talk across Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Podbay. If you want, like the lovely Neil James, you can send us an email. Do you expect us to talk? No, expect us to talk at gmail.com. Otherwise, you can find us across social media. Um, wherever you happen to find us, please leave us a nice review as it helps us to rank higher and attract more listeners. First time in a while, we move on to a new series. And much like Rocky a few years ago, it's one Becca doesn't actually know, which is really <gasps> So, which means Becca. Do you expect us to talk? We'll return with our review series on Lethal Weapon. I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to do that quote. I thought, should I do it? Or oh, Chris to do it. Yeah, well, cool. o- oldies get a bit predictable, don't they? <laughs> yes.